What in God's name is that? Oh. Rub me and your wish will come true. Straight out of the thief of Baghdad. Oh, wait, there's more. What? Certain restrictions may apply. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. Welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation about Little Boy Lost. Um, I hope you enjoyed it so much that you would not get angry and kick a trash can because you had bought tickets to go see Eddie Mur- Murphy. Yeah, overreacting. <laughs> probably probably not a good idea in public like It wasn't that. like they were going to see Beverly Hills Cops 3. You know, like the Beverly Hills. Uh, yeah. Then I would have been pissed. <laughs> you then I you been bought ripped. tickets for what? No. This? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what? Uh, here, here's an admission. I don't think I've actually seen the first two uh, Beverly Hills Cops films, Beverly Hills Cop films. I did see three at the drive at the drive-in with uh, that, and there was that remake of The Getaway. I think it was with uh, Alec Baldwin and um, all his wife at the time, um, Kim Basinger. See, I can't speak towards that movie, but uh, if that if that is the only Beverly Beverly Hills Cop film that you've seen, you have done yourself a disservice. I know, I know. I just you know, there's plenty of things that, as we've talked about in this series, that for whatever reason there was a blind spot. I do have an update on that, though. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> this just did. Whatever, anyway. So we'll talk about that in a second. So that was my attempt at a traffic copter, which was terrible. Uh, that traffic copter is now crashed. I think it's going down, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody, welcome to Strange Highways. It is the podcast where we watch The Twilight Zone in order, episode by episode. And in the case of and the not Beverly Hills Cop, no. Yeah, clearly not, because I've watched the third one. Um, yeah, um, you know, there's podcasts out there where people will watch, like, I don't know, there's people that have been watching the Star, Star Wars movies minute by minute, and they'll do episodes, like, per minute, and it's like, I'm sorry, no, I'm good, I don't need to do a deep dive where you take, like, um, you know, Empire Strikes Back and do episodes that are, like, the 60 seconds examination. That, that's That one's rough. I mean, you know, we're doing something in sequence, but... It can, that seems like that would be torturous. Yeah, it, it seems kind of silly, right? Um, so, but yeah, we've we've watched the original Twilight Zone series all the way through all five episodes, five episodes, all five seasons. You can go back check that out. Um, and then we jumped forward in time to watch the Jordan Peele produced uh, uh, Paramount Plus series. That's all there available as well. And now we're into the eighties, uh, the eighties Twilight Zone, and we're into. Um, season one, episode four. Um, again, we're breaking these into segments, not uh, full episodes, because I think. Uh, 
some of these segments. You know, it, it, it's hard to talk about an hour long episode of Twilight Zone when there's three stories. I think we need to give them like their space. That's yeah, and especially it. certain actors and directors yeah. and writers. We want to give them a little bit more of a conversation as well. Absolutely. So with this, we are into season one, episode four, segment B. So it's the middle segment of the episode called Wish Bank. Uh, yeah. Like, so day and date, we've talked about, I think the, the air date for this was like, was October 18th. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in 85, a uh, number one film was Commando. Hell I, yeah. I, here, here is my update. Here, let me find, um, let me find my update noise. Mm. Here's an update. Uh, I admitted that Commando was one of those films I never saw growing up, which is weird because I, I do have a soft spot for over the top eighties action films. And I, uh, Terry already knows this. I ended up watching this film finally. I know we've talked about the last couple episodes being the number one film while the, these episodes were airing. Um, yeah, Commando is a lot of fun. It's a it's a fun film. You damn right it is. That movie's hilarious. I wasn't. I, it wasn't okay. Let me put it this way. I wasn't expecting to not be disappointed by it. Like, but I will say, and I. <laughs> I showed my wife the first seven minutes of the film because um, if you if people have not seen Commando, go watch the first seven minutes because the first three and a half are just a vignettes of violence, and then the other three minutes thirty seconds is entirely different, and that's what I'm going to say. I don't want to ruin what you see with the title sequence involving Schwarzenegger, but it's not what you're expecting, and it was like I was like, wait, this movie is in this weird territory. And it's like somehow like, I don't know, like it was, it's not, it's a pure eighties action movie. It's ridiculous. It's over the top, but somehow it was like forward thinking in the values that we're showing of a dad just wanting to get his daughter back. And like, as much as that's violent and you see, I don't know, saw blades being thrown and heads being torn off and all that Hell stuff. Yeah. Right. Hell there, yeah. There's, there's this, uh, <laughs> Schwarzenegger's character of John Matrix is like kind of a stand-up dude, and you're, you're expecting like, like it. Well, I mean, he makes one one terrible tone-deaf comment about Boy George in the beginning of the movie. Other than that, he seems like a pretty pretty good dude. Yeah, <laughs> you know? some like, of his best one-liners are from that film. Like when people think about Arnold and him being the like the one-liner machine of the '80s, I think like ninety percent of that is from this movie alone. It yeah. is ridiculous, and it's a lot of fun, and it's actually pretty well done. Um, I, just, I if you want, if you're a fan of steel drums, I got a movie for you. <laughs> and uh, his daughter is uh, uh, Alyssa Milano. Yeah, so if you want to see her in a, a younger role of hers, and she does a pretty good job too. They give they give her her own. Like she is not. I don't know. There's this weird thing of like, well, you know, she's not. I mean, she's upset and sad. But she has her own agency as well. Same thing as uh, Ray, Day Chong, Ray Don Chong as the um, the young lady that kind of gets involved in all this. They give her things to do, too. And she is her own character. It's like, good on you, Commando. I was not expecting any of this watching it. So. And she, she was in, uh, we had t- discussed her not that long ago when we talked about Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, there we go. So there's your mini review of Commando. Um, you know, watch um, it. Yeah, <laughs> and if you've it. seen it, watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it's fun. A sweaty movie. So I mean, it's very get sweaty. ready. I like, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it a great deal. So. It's all, it is springtime. So get ready to go. sweat. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, so yeah, there you go. That's your mini review. Uh, the day and date at Commando's number one film and number one in my heart right now. So there we go. So, um, who let's get into a wish bank. Uh, so who did what here? All right. So our director on this episode or segment rather is, uh, Rick, Friedberg, yeah, Friedberg, yeah, yeah, yeah. Friedberg, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, it sounds close enough. All right, so uh, 
The the one credit I wanted to point out here is that he he worked on the movie Spy Hard with Leslie Nielsen. Um, he wrote the screenplay and produced it as well. Um, he also did uh, a few music videos. Uh, one in particular that I knew was uh, Wild Child by Wasp. Yeah, he did three videos for Wasp. Um, I think the one I remember most was Hot for Teacher. Man, Everybody knows yeah. Hot for Teacher. If, you, if you're if you somewhat of a child of the 80s and that and loved 80s nostalgia, you got to watch The video is ridiculous, but the like you can never, that, that intro drum, you know, from... Um, oh, um, not Alex Van Halen, the, uh, the brother, yeah. um, is it Alex? It, yeah. Yeah. It just, his, his drumming is magnificent. It just sounds like a, like a car idling, like the engine's getting ready to go. It's like, it's amazing. Right. So yeah, no, like, so I, was, I saw that. I'm like, oh, okay. This guy's done a lot of music video work. And you mentioned Spy Hard. I, this was after Spy Hard came out after Leslie Nielsen had done like the three naked gun films and he was kind of known as like the spoof guy. Right. Right. And I remember the movie not being that great. I saw it in the theater. I, how, why did I see Spy Hard before I saw Commando? No idea. Um, but I also remember Weird Al did the, the theme song because that's the, one of the jokes is that you always get like the prestige artist to do the theme song for the Bond films. Mm-hmm. And he did the theme for Spy Hard. So I remember liking that. And the movie wasn't that great, but yeah. I think I saw this one in the theater as well. And this was kind of like where you were saying it's kind of as his peak for doing spoof. Like he did. Um, we also had, what was it? Mr. Magoo. That was another one that came yeah. out at the time, but like Nielsen, he, he kind of had uh, like a, like a Dracula second, dead and loving us. Yes, he kind of had like a second coming for like these kind of goofy, like spoofy yeah, movies. Cause so he did that, uh, that police squad, which I think that was supposed to be spoof. Right? Well, so police squad was in the eighties, the TV series. Right. And then that was what, whenever you got to the naked gun, it was, um, the same character of Lieutenant Frank. Cause Drebin. it was like p- uh, stories of police yeah, squad files or whatever. Police squad. So, cause that, like there was like, um, a one season of the police squad that was like 10 episodes or something mm-hmm. that didn't do well because that was that kind of Zucker brothers, like kind of like sight gag. Um, which if you go back, well, there's episodes they're they're really, they're, they're entertaining, right? It's like, it was, it was ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, and it honestly, even like watching some of his other material, I didn't realize that he'd had serious roles. So like watching prom night, he's in prom night, the original film. He's in day of the animals. He's playing a ridiculous character, but he plays a straight face. Yeah. And he's in uh creep show, which th- that segment is a kind of silly, but it is still, but he's a dramatic actor in Correct. that role. And like, but then he was in, was it not forbidden planet, but like he, was one of those actors that was like the like that you know, that baritone voice like very straight face so when he got to airplane playing you know the doctor or like the the onboard physician it's like mm. he was kind of cast against type and then he wanted to do this other stuff because he was he had he had good comedic timing and Leslie Nielsen has nothing to do with this segment at all but there's your right yeah, yeah but spy hard you know the, the the director of this segment directed this there's other spy hard connections when we get into some of the cast here as well so yeah. Anyway, Leslie Nielsen gone too soon. Um, do you remember Repossessed? I was just gonna bring it up. I was like, but we're we're trailing out. No, that's like, that's, a, that's a fun one. Right? That's a fun. Because Linda spoof. Blair is yeah. in it yeah, too. That's, it's a, like, that's a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I own it. So yeah, that's yeah. a gr- ridiculous film. But um, so next here, our writing credit is uh, to uh, Michael Cassalt. Uh, yeah, Cassett. Cassett. Cassalt. Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, two more segments that we'll be talking about coming up, um, and in episodes of nine hundred two one zero and uh, Z Nation, which Z Nation, um, I, it's not a show that I've ever been interested in, but it's kind of like the bastard child of what Walking Dead is. Well, I've heard I've heard decent things about it, and then there's also that spinoff, um, Black Summer. 
that they did that were based. I think it's based in the same universe. Really? Okay. Yeah. It looks like crap to me, but okay, fair, <laughs> fair enough. But I'm, I'm not seeing Z Nation either. Um, so he, this gentleman, uh, Michael Cassett, has a lot of uh, producing credits. You mentioned a nine two one zero. Um, he's done some producing and writing for the the the, re, the update of the Outer Limits, Erie, Indiana. If I don't know if you remember that, you've NBC talked show. about this. Yeah, before. it's a fun, it's a fun little show. That was an NBC. That was an eighties. Uh... Yeah, it was kind of like this weird town of like just it was the, this uh, you know the kid I think is like a pair of brothers that were in this town seeing all the weird stuff going on. So it was kind of a fun little show. Hmm. Um, I also want to mention he also was overseeing the the uh, like the TV series The Dead Zone, and there was a series on Fox called Strange Luck. That um that had a uh, was it DB Sweeney, um it, it was about a guy who was a private investigator, but something happened along the way. I forget what, but it was always kind of like 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 luck would inter- intervene with like if he or like fate would always kind of like step in when he was like investigating cases. Mm-hmm. And it was like you had to. It was like this was the time with like the the Fox stuff at the like this was like around the time of the X Files. Like they were going like these different directions. The, believe it or like, not, all that stuff. So they're trying to do something like it's like almost like you would think like the alternative like like the alternative college radio version of some of these type of like you know they're trying to go in like different directions. Yeah, and there was one episode in particular that involved. Um, the potential of somebody that was going on death row that may or may not like have done what they did. And it like the, the final bit of the, the episode is set to lightning crashes from live. Nice. That was really, really good. So I remember liking strange luck a great deal. So it sounds um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to check I, it out. I mean, if you can find it, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, when there's a will, there's a way. I mean, well, cause I think DB Sweeney, I think it's the guy's name. He was like, do you remember that movie, the cutting edge? that came out that was where he was the hockey player, but he got partnered up with the figure skater and they became figure skating. Partners yeah. For the yeah. Olympics. I, yeah. I didn't get a chance to see that. Yeah, well, it I wasn't mean, right up my, it was alley, a romantic but, comedy or whatever, yeah. but it's like, that was like his big, you know, big call, like claim to fame. Okay. So he was leading that. So anyway, neither here nor there. He's not in this episode. Neither is Leslie Nielsen. Okay. Yeah. So then into our cast, we go Um the cast. I'm most excited about now. Let me step right into it. We have one of the scream queens in this one, uh, D. Wallace, D. Wallace Stone, as she was known at this point. Uh, she was married, uh, and uh, you know, since then her husband passed away. I can't remember who it wasn't. Well, because she had been married previous to this too. So when she took her, she took her original, the first marriage to the last name Wallace. Mm-hmm. So that was part of her stage name, and then she got married additionally. So that, that's neither here nor there. But yeah. yeah, D. Wallace, she plays Janice Hammond. Yeah, um, big, 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 big uh, genre um, actor. Definitely. So uh, mo- a lot of people would know her from E.T. She was the mom in E.T. Mm-hmm. Cujo, which she was phenomenal in. Uh, and she was in The Howling, one of my favorite werewolf films of all time. But one that I wanted to pull out here, a credit that I don't think a lot of people would know is a movie called Popcorn. And it's a horror film that takes place in a movie theater. And it is Badass. I've seen it. I don't remember a thing about it. Dude, it's yeah. I'll let you borrow it. I okay. have the super fancy edition. It is Ooh, super oh, fancy. Yes. Right. It is a great film. If anybody can track this down, buy it, whatever. It's a great no, film. No, I see it like the boutique people, like the boutique labels yep. sell it. And it's like one well, and the cover I think it was, art. Uh, the super fancy edition was put out by Scream Factory. Yeah, like they and put, the cover like, art's amazing too. I just remember I, I remember either I swear to God I've seen this. It's just I you know what I mean. You know how it is when you grow up and you're like I the cover art kind of just burns into your head. Yeah. I know I've seen it. I don't remember a thing about it. Another great role of hers. She was in the Frighteners. Uh, that, my gosh, yes, uh, she's amazing. The Frighteners. Um, that's a movie that I cannot speak. Like it's one of my all time favorite films. Like, uh, like I don't know. Like it's one of those things that people talk about. Like you know, give me your top five. 
I don't, I don't know, man. Like this is, this is always like up there at the top for me. Like I love the Frighteners. There is not, you go, the only, the only niggling thing about it is some of the CG assist. Cause at the time that was revolutionary, but it's not aged the best, but you got to give its place in time. My God, I love the Frighteners so much. She's I, so good at it too. Yeah. And I love her character and it just, it's so against like what I know of her as a, uh, uh, an, an actress because she's never played all right, without giving the movie away. She's never played a role like that, but it's like, she's incredible. And I've met uh, her a few times. Yeah. She's an awesome, don't awesome care. Her, person. Her cackling and running off uh, like a, a pump action shotgun. Amazing. Yeah. You know? So I love the Frighteners. Yeah. She was also in Critters, which we got to mention because of the Kreitz. previous Kreitz, Kreitz, Critters is life. Cause we just talked about that last, uh, last segment. Um, yeah. And she's still working and yeah, yeah. She's um, working with Rob Zombie quite a bit lately. She did 31. She uh, was in Three from Hell, too, I think. Um, no, I'm sorry. She wasn't in 31. She was in Three from Hell. She was yeah. in Halloween, too. Yeah. Um, she was, she's been in a bunch of his yeah, stuff. No, we love Dee Wallace. Yeah, yeah. So, And then next year, uh, another actress that I was very familiar with, but mostly for one role, was uh, this uh, actress, Julie Carmen. She, was, she plays Mary Ellen Bradshaw. She was in Fright Night 2. Mm-hmm. Is the sex pot like killer vampire in it? I was like, holy crap! I was like, I've never seen anything else with her in it, and I was like, why does she look so familiar? There we go. Uh, if anybody's never seen Fright Fright Night Two, it is an incredible sequel. It's one of those ones that's hard to get a hold of though because of distribution. Very very yeah. difficult. Yeah, uh, check it out. You well, you know, if you're really looking for it, you can find it on YouTube. Um, she was also in the Mouth of Madness. So. I had some, that was the other thing I had here too. Was, and some uh, Falcon Crest. Yeah, uh, the big thing was a Fright Night Part Two, and then you know you gotta get your Carpenter connection right in the Mouth of Madness. So and then next here we have uh, Peter Land. Uh, he plays Mr. Brent. Uh, nine credits. I wasn't familiar with either one of them. Um, a lot of theater work. Like mm. I was looking at, he did a lot of like just stage work, a lot of theater work. I, at first, when I first, I was like, is that Eric Idle? Cause he looked, yeah, he looked very Eric Idle esque. And I was like, that would have been a big, a big get if you got an Eric. Like, not that I'm saying that Peter Land didn't do well. Like, like, you know, his, the, the segment's eight minutes, right? Yeah. And, but it's like, you, you get, you get like, he's kind of channeling that kind of vibe, that kind of like Monty Python absurdity. Yeah. I was fine with him, but yeah, he didn't do a lot of, he didn't do a lot of, uh, TV and uh, film work, but a lot of theater work. Yeah. So then next year we have Harvey Vernon, another familiar face to me. He plays Willoughby in this, uh, Mr. Willoughby. Mr. Willoughby. Uh, he was in Teen Wolf as the dude that worked at the liquor store. It's been forever since I've seen that film. I need and to- I like how his IMDb picture is of him talking to uh, Michael J. Fox's character. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I'm like, yep, that's the perfect picture. And he was also in an episode of Golden Girls. There you go. And just to get it right out of the way, uh, Willoughby is a reference to a stop in Willoughby, which is one of the first season episodes of the Twilight Zone. So, um, yeah, there you go, which is a reference to a, a city in Ohio that um, Mr. Rod Serling was familiar with. And I'm sure he heard the name and was like, oh, I like that name and we're going to use it. Yeah. So there you go. And then uh, next and last. Uh, oh, by the right. way, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off. Per Wikipedia, Harvey Harvey Vernon, his birth name. This is my favorite favorite bit of trivia right here. Chet Smith. 
He sounds like the kind of guy that kicks sand in your face at the beach. Yeah. He's like, God damn it, Chet. <laughs> just walk around. Like, hey, you guys lose your beach ball? Is it over here? Is it just like flexing the entire time, kicking sand? You're like, you know. Right. Yeah. So he went with the much more approachable name of Harvey Vernon versus Chet Smith. Sorry. Go ahead. I just saw, I made, I wanted to make a point to give you that, that trivia <laughs> about him. Yeah. So I did, uh, like I was saying, uh, our next and last credit here that I have at least is uh, Julie Payne. Uh, she plays the clerk. Uh, this is at the location that uh, wishes are being granted, I, I guess. Uh, she was in The Incredible Shrinking Woman. And uh, she did a, a lot of voice work in like Garfield cartoons. Yes. Like She was Dr. Liz, which was uh, John Arbuckle's girlfriend. Um, so she would show up in there. Uh, she was also in Spy Hard. Uh, so I wanted to mention the Spy Hard connection there. Uh, she was in Curb Your Enthusiasm a little bit. And she was a voice in THX 1138. The, the Lucasfilm. However, I want to mention here, I saw this um, this trivia on uh, Wikipedia. So between February 83 and June 86, so around the time this was being uh, filmed, she was a regular in three network series, but each lasted less than three months. Think about this. You keep getting cast in series, like primetime series, and you're hoping for the best, right? And CBS's hour-long humorous fantasy, Wizards and Warriors, she played uh, a good queen, uh, Latina, 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 not because Latina would be terrible. You don't want to call Queen Latina. That'd be, well, I mean, that's not her name. Anyway, I'm, I'm messing up the pronunciation. <laughs> um, Welcome so, to the show. This is where yeah, I, I do I, it most of the time. I, you know, we drink and mess up names. So the, the series was too like expense, like expensive with like um, special effects got canceled. Uh, it, it was a Saturday night ratings failure. Why would you like Saturday night seems to be like the, you don't put shows then like comedies or whatever. Anyway, it went from February to May, and then in '84, she was cast. She was cast as Aggie, the mean, nasty business manager, uh, who longed to be in charge of the Duck Factory, which was NBC's uh, attempt at a comedy. It was one of an early Jim Carrey vehicle because they saw a promise in him. Mm. I remember this at the time coming out. Like it just it flashes. I remember this as a kid. Uh, which again lasted a mere few weeks from April 12th to July 11th. And then in 86, she was part of a sitcom called uh, Leo and Liz in Beverly Hills. It was a Steve Martin created showcase uh, for Harvey Corman and, um, and another person. And um, they gave her a main role in that, but she it was canceled after a few episodes from April 25th to June 6th. So wow. she was always in the mix. And things got kept like falling apart around her because a lot of this sounds like, you know, prestige or like at least at least there was, sorry, not prestige, but like you got a Jim Carrey anchored show because they thought he was going to be like a big thing, which he was, but not then. You got a Steve Martin created show that didn't take off. And then you have a high concept like fantasy comedy that, you know, depending, you know, like for goodness sakes, Dukes of Hazard was like, hey, what is this? This is just Southern fantasy of just two good old boys in the car jumping over shit. Why not? You know? It just never worked out. But yeah, she ended up voicing Do uh, Dr. Liz and a lot of Garfield. So yeah. good on her. And the last little credit that I'll put in here because I'm always looking for horror in that. Uh, she plays a very bit role as a reporter in Misery. Oh, oh good call. I didn't, I didn't catch that. So uh, so yeah, let's just get into our, our eight-minute uh, episode of Wishbank. Uh, there is no uh, intro dialogue for this. So let's see here. What do I? What, what should I find? What, what, what about this? Both of them. Sober, reliable, the best men. There you go. Lies. <laughs> <laughs> all, of, all of that, right? <laughs> where, where are we at with Wishbank here? So we get Janice and uh, Mary Ellen. They are going to, what is a community like garage sale? Yeah, it's a yard yeah. sale, yeah. 
And so everybody's in their little community has come together and selling stuff and that. And uh, we get a little bit of a conversation between Janice and Mary Ellen. They're saying like, well, Janice, is this really what you want to be doing? Do you really want to be doing this? You know, since uh, you left whoever, you know. Well, she there was, no, she had a divorce with her husband. Right? Yeah. It sounds like it didn't go well. It sounds like he was the one that left. Right. And so, like, Mary Ellen's like, is this really where you get your kicks? And then and then she fires back. It's like, where have you had a better time? Dollar days or whatever or having sex with, like, your Larry. husband. Larry. Whatever. And Larry, she's like, her husband. Whatever. And she's like, oh, okay, good, fair point, fair point. <laughs> like, like they're, they're friends. They're yard selling. I'm just going to put this to you. Have you ever went yard selling? Like, outside of my wife? Uh, no. <laughs> like, with my wife, I, I okay. it's it's either me alone or me and my wife, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, so, I mean, but you've never been like, you know what we should do on a Saturday morning? Go to people's houses that we don't know and look at the shit that they don't want anymore. <laughs> you can find some good deals. Sure, sure. You oh, know. What? Come okay. on. I found some great deals. There is, right, so, where we live, we're in Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and there is an area close to here called Seville, and Seville has one of the biggest group garage sales that happens within the state, and there's just miles of people selling stuff. Okay, well, that's a little different. That's fair enough, right? Like, I know there's big flea markets and things and whatever, but I'm talking like, like, and in the case of this, it looks like it looks like it's kind of like one of those, but it also looks kind of like a yard sale. Yeah. Um, it's also it, the way it's shot, too. Yeah, the way, yeah. So you don't really know for sure, right? But it's like, have you actually went yard selling where you go to people's yards and look at their shit and be like, yeah, you know what? I do need seven seven pounds of shirts you don't want anymore or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> sell it by the pound. Yeah, like. I don't know. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> You know, like it's like what, like all these eight tracks. You don't want these anymore. Can all, you know? Well, I mean, if, also if you're a divorcee and like you're not really sure how to get your bearings again, maybe this is a thing. Maybe That's I fair. don't know. I, yeah, you know, meeting up with her girlfriend. Like, what else is there going on in this town? Well, I mean, it might I, be a small I'm town. Not, I'm not blaming them. I'm just asking you about you going yard selling. That's all. Like. <laughs> I don't know. If I was a divorcee, I probably would do this too. I mean, but, well, yeah, like, like uh, we had. Uh, well, I'm not divorcee. It would be different. Uh, no, whatever. Towards the end of this past summer, like when things were like, like before there was the the big Omicron spike and like the Delta wave, mm-hmm. there was a community like, like they would do like the week, like a couple of days where people come out and do the yard selling at our place. Like it was one of those things. It's like I guess we did okay with it because now I have less video game systems. I, you know, like it's one of those and, I, and I thank you because I've gotten some really cool shit from your place. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you buy stuff from that? I can't remember. I hope did, not. Did did your wife not tell you? Uh, I forgot. I don't. Remember. I was like, "What are your biggest?" <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Transactions of the day. <laughs> yeah, your mother-in-law like sold me, sold me, quote unquote, like ten albums, and I. Like, oh, oh, see, like here's the thing: you could have just waited. I would have given them to you. <laughs> I got. I say, quote unquote, sold them to me. Yeah, anyway, okay. um, all right. Well, I guess, I guess I guess my question to you was, was supposed to be kind of a bit, but turning out that yes, you have been to people's, <laughs> you have been to people's houses, mine, and buying shit that yep. we didn't want anymore. All right. Well, what? f me, f me, <laughs> dude. I w- I went home and la- listened to those albums right away. I got the Grease album. Okay, good. Well, you or- know what? You you can keep that. I'm fine. Yeah, That's fine. It's great. Okay. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> all right. Anyway, oh, so all right. So yeah, we get them kind of talking. Uh, don't, don't worry. When you guys have a yard sale, I'll come over and buy my shit back. It's fine. Ribbing each other about their their I guess their relationships and everything. And then we get 
Jan is kind of trailing off away from Mary Ellen, and she accidentally kicks something that's under a table. And when she looks a little closer, it's uh, an old kind of like uh, like golden. It's a uh, lamp. Lamp. Yeah, it's a lamp. Yeah. You know, at like the old school genie in a lamp kind of lamp. And Mary Ellen comes over like, whoa, what is it? Check it out. What's it say? And um, she says, you know, it, 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 it is inscribed that it says to rub. But then it also says that uh, can uh, what is certain it? restrictions apply, S- certain restrictions apply. And um, so she rubs it with her shirt and then all of a sudden she vanishes. <laughs> Which and- I mean, like, I like because well, at first we get Mary Ellen bring out her, her cheater glasses, her readers, right, to see what was going on. But whenever the certain restrictions apply, Janice is like, oh, whatever. And Mary Ellen's like, really? Like, you're going to let that hold you back? And that's when she rubs the lamp and disappears. Yeah. So rub that shit. Like, check it out. Like, yeah. What's what do you have to lose? And then she, when she vanishes, she reappears quickly into what appears to be a loan office at a bank. Yeah, the Department of Magical uh, Venues. So a DMV, if you will. Mm. <laughs> and she's uh, at the desk of Mister Brent. And Mister Brent says, "Oh, hey, you know, you're here. You 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 have your uh, you, you have your wishes." And she's like, but do I actually get these wishes? He's like, yes, you get three of them. But, you know, of course, you have to sign a form and everything. And well, because so- he asked what the wishes are. And then when she's like, well, okay, all right, well, I, I want $2 million. And so he there's just a, a computer uh, or just an adding machine like thing. And he's just like. Yeah. And it's like, you're not doing anything. Click, 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 click. You're click. not doing anything. And he's like, oh, that's and she's like, I want $2 million. She's like, oh, that's that's a great thing. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's like, you're not processing anything. You're just, I don't know. You're playing office. And then the second wish, she was like, I want to look 10 years younger. And he's like, okay. And then the third wish, like, she's like, I want to give my ex-husband a moderate sexual dysfunction, and, <laughs> which is funny. Right. And so he's like, oh, is this going to be like, like permanent or like short term? She's like, okay, short term. Right. Like a year and a half or whatever. Right. Yeah. So this kind of, so I was kind of thinking that maybe where we're going to go with this was like the whole like you know be careful be careful what you wish for right like there's there's the old joke of where you know like the same situation a recently di- divorced person finds a lamp rubs it and the genie's like okay you get three wishes however whatever um, whatever you wish for your partner gets half of or no sorry your partner gets double so they're like I want a lot of money I want this and the third wish is they're like I want to be scared half to death you know like I was expecting like you know. Because since they get double, it's like, oh, you get, uh, oh, my ex gets scared all to death, whatever, right? Like, I was expecting some kind of twist like that. And he even explains, he's like, okay, here's your paperwork, here's your paperwork. Um, the first wish works out perfectly. The second one, not always. And the third one's usually reserved to undo the first two. It's like, okay, you're like, I get that there's that meta commentary of like, this is how this works. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, bureaucracy and red tape already at the beginning of this. And we get, we get Janice kind of getting like, she's excited. But she has to, like, wait, right? Yeah. It's an interesting spin to the whole, like, narrative. Like, yes, you have you, you have wants and needs, but you do have to do the process, too. Yeah. It's, you know, she gets her form. She has to fill it out. And it's like, okay, well, you're in good shape. And Well, that's when Mr. Willoughby appears. Like, whoop. Appears. A- appears. Like, <laughs> and just, yeah, no, like, I'm talking, like, you're, whoop, and he just shows up. And it's like, all right, all right. 80s technology effects. And he's kind of upset with Mr. Brent. 
about about something about the Jameson account, which I was really hoping that they would it would be Walter Jameson along with Walter Jameson. I thought that like but you never really get that. I would have been like, oh, you know, even if they mentioned like the name of the family from um, the Man in the Bottle episode, that would have been fun, right? Yeah, because that that's a that's you know because we've we've dealt with um, wishes scenarios in the Twilight Zone previously, right? And and so he um, it's at this point that Mister Brent directs uh janice over to a line where she has to go but before that he's like well we got to get your you know your bank information because you got to pay taxes she's like i have to pay taxes oh, on this true, it's yeah. like yeah no shit we're going to give you two million dollars you got to pay taxes it's like also by the way you were just at a yard sale so even if you get 6.5 million out of this i think you're doing pretty good you know right. I, you know however if if one third of it goes to the government that means you still get to keep two thirds of it that you did not know what was coming that's, yeah, that's a good point. I, I think that's it's funny in its own right, but also very grounded in reality. Because if the government says, like, where did $10 million just suddenly appear into your account and why? Which was a plot point in, in the Man in the Bottle episode where they got all this money. Then the IRS show up. It's like, we got to tax you. He's like, oh, I gave this all away. It's like, you still owe taxes on it. You yeah. know? So, But yeah, he sends her to be like, well, you got to go online. And there's the, 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 the whole trope of the DMV line, right? But we see all these people online that I feel like they were the also rands that weren't picked up by Bill and Ted for their book report. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good point because some people are like dressed in garb that like maybe they're from like the 1400s. Yeah. There's some lady. I was in- expecting Socrates to show up. I was expecting Napoleon like covered in his face in ice cream. Yeah. You know, Ziggy piggy. Ziggy piggy. <laughs> you know? um, and also while this is, while this is happening, while you, but you hear like this, like, this is the dumbest and shittiest Are You Afraid of the Dark music, like style music that's playing during this. I get it's comedy. I get that I'm, the whole thing. Like it's the joke of like all these people have found a magical vessel and they want their wishes and they have to wait for bureaucracy. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll put this right out there, Paul. I know we're still within the first season, but I'm thinking that this music is going to be con- Continuous, like continuously that does, stupid, that is, and doesn't make me happy. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not. It's not good, dude. Like, oh, it's so bad. It it's doesn't. So bad. It doesn't. Like, yeah, it's so bad. And that's it's why, just, I like, I can't even remotely bring up any of that stuff because it's so. It's not memorable at all to me. It doesn't influence. The oh, I mean, scene. it is memorable, but like not in a good way. No, you're right. It's like, I mean, like not that. Like, okay, so okay, let, let's let's not put on rose colored glasses about the original series because there were some amazing, amazing pieces. They used some stock music that works sometimes. Some of the Bernard Herman stuff was amazing. Yeah, of uh, course. The, the Jerry Goldsmith stuff too. There's some amazing pieces in that, but there's other times where especially comedy episodes, the music was so grating and terrible. So I'm not trying to say that like, Oh, the grass is greener, but right. like, this is like, you know, it's like, there's something that's going on in the eighties where it's like, it's just, they're like, yeah, what if we made the shittiest comedy music ever? They're like, you know what? That's prime time. It's on CBS. There's only four. There's only three major networks. Where are you going to turn to? <laughs> you know, like what do you got, right? And then even at the end, when we get that little, the little noodling of the Twilight Zone theme at the end, I'm just like, nah, we don't deserve that. Like, <laughs> you didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, so so she gets in line. She goes through, and then when she finally gets to the other, like the person that's like helping her, um, that person's informed that they're missing a six o six o four form. Yeah. And she's like, oh, but you need to talk to your broker. And she's like, oh, but, you know, and so the background, you see Mr. Willoughby dressing down Mr. Brent. And like, 
he's basically you screwed up for the last time. So he just bamps Brent out of existence, like whoop, gone. Right. And then, so after uh, Janice has to leave the line, she goes to Mr. Willoughby and was like, I need to speak to Mr. Brent. And th- there's a line there. I like, he's like, well, Mr. Brent is no longer, she's like, no longer available. He's like, no, he's just no, no longer. longer. <laughs> like, like he has been wiped from existence, you yeah. know? Um, so then she's about to ask him about the missing form and he's like, I'll be happy to help, but uh Oh, it's quitting time. And so he's like, come back tomorrow or whatever. And so in the meantime he leaves and then all the staff put on their Devo hats and then they leave. Like they're all, and he's like, not even making a joke. They are literally the Devo. The they're, Devo. They're not red. They're black, but it's like the the flower pot hats that you know from Devo. Well, but so, uh, apparently, if you can slow it down enough and look closely, one <laughs> of the one of the notes I saw on the internet was that it does say Devo. Well, because the one dude I like that they kept it in where he goes to put his hat on and his jacket, his hat starts to fall off. and puts it back on again. That's the sequence where they're saying that yeah. you can actually see that it says Devo. I on just him. like I just like that they're like you know what this is name in its segment. It's good enough. <laughs> like, and then so all all of the staff of the DMV, right? They're gone, and then that's when Janice is like, "I wish I'd never picked up this lamp," which kind of breaks the rules because she never got approval for her wishes to begin with. But whatever. And then we, you know, wish granted. She bamps back to the yard sale. She doesn't encounter it. And then her and her friend uh, go, uh, they talk, and then they go and laugh, and they walk away, and then they probably go eat some yogurt together and just, you know, have a good day, you know, together. So here's me rewriting the episode. (laughs) Please. Just slightly. If I could, for some reason, stop uh, Janice as she's talking to Mary Ellen, where she has, like, a slight headache, all of a sudden, weird, oh, that, I don't know what that was, whatever. And then finds the lamp. So then that's the restarting point when she comes back. So it's like, it's left up to interpretation. It's like, wait, was it just like some weird thing that happened in her head for a moment there Mm -hmm. that she got stuck in? Or if it was truly this lamp thing that just happened? Yeah. It just, this thing tries to have it both ways where it's be careful what you wish for. And then also this comedy about how like, um, you know, this fantastical thing still is bogged down by red tape, like, mm. which I'm not saying that that isn't, that's not a not funny idea, right. you know, but we don't really get any benefit other than her getting frustrated and then just like wishing it never happened. And then her going off with her friend and having a good day. There's no, um, there's no development. There's no arc. Right. And it's, I, I, it's I, just I a, it's, there's just a punchline. That's it. Right. And, and I think this is like the thing that I took away from this that I was grateful for is that they just didn't try to put people in turbans and and like, you know, like, like sitting they, on rugs and everything. It's like yeah. because there was the episode from the original series with uh, I Dream a Genie. And yeah. And the dude was talking like a normal New Yorker, but he was dressed in the garb. And I'm like. That it seems was, a little insensitive. A little tone deaf, especially at the end when he becomes a genie himself. It's just, yeah, that was not great. Uh, with this, but there's one point where Mister Mister Brent's like, oh, he points to a painting and you see a djinn there, and it's right. like, oh, well, you know, there is the folklore, right? Like, like, I, we're, like we're carrying on, yeah, this. yeah. So I get that, right? Like, and I don't mind the idea of like uh, there is this like there's a lot of rules attached to these things, so because I, I think that's kind of fun, like, um, you know, like. It's just, you always wonder about like, you know, if, um, like there's the TV series, uh, the good place, which ends up showing a lot of like behind the scenes of like, 
the afterlife is a lot more bureaucratic than you think, you know, like in terms of the world they're presenting, you know, right. it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of like, you know, like, Oh shit. Like the same things happen here. You know, <laughs> like the same discussions happen, the same tedium happens. Like I get it. Right. It's an interesting concept that carries over. I mean, even like Bruce almighty ever seen that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you're right. It's, that's, it's not a bad call with this either. Right. Like just, I just, this thing, it's like, it only gets like so long to live and you know, considering that we had this kind of like light touch story of little boy lost, right. That was trying to give this emotional heft that I don't think was earned. And then we're coming to this. That's just like, here's a joke. Right. And I, I have a feeling the next segment we're going to get into is going to be kind of a hammer of a segment. It's like, it's just totally like, and I know we shouldn't judge each segment because we now know after listening to some of the commentaries with the, 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 the producer that these weren't all, purposely like slotted together from the original like they just they wrote them they produced them and they like well this is how we put an hour together we have a 20 minute a 10 minute and a 20 minute it wasn't like oh these all three fit together because of you know a high and a low like design right like right. it's like so this one it's like it just was so like uh i don't know man like it just was there and it just it's not offensive in any it's like but again it's like this is like when the Twilight Zone tries to do comedy, I'm, and I'm not saying that it's not without merit, I'm not saying that you can't have fun in the Twilight Zone, because you can. Uh, it's just, when it works well, it's very few and far between. Um, I will always go back to say that one of my favorite uh, episodes of the Twilight Zone from the first season was The Chaser. And that's a comedy episode. And I love that episode a great deal. But there's not too many comedy episodes that work for me with the Twilight. And I'm not saying it's because of the Twilight Zone. It's just, I don't know. Like, like this, this isn't as offensive as like from Agnes with love, but it almost feels that kind of same, like, what are you going to do type of thing? You know, it's like, you know, had this given another 10 minutes would have just been as just as grating and as annoying, you know, I don't know. And that's fair. And I, I, I mean, I like kind of the, the, where the story was like the arcs and how it was supposed to go. But I just, I, there was something lost here completely for mm-hmm. me and how it would like what the landing was. I, I just didn't like this episode and I think it was a disservice to uh, D Wallace. And yeah, she her. did fine. Her, her frustration came through and it was, that was fine. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's like, I would have loved to. I mean, considering, you know, we know her from so much now, I would have loved to have seen her in a longer segment, though. Absolutely, because we know she's more incapable of doing something. Definitely. Right? Like, so, so yeah, that's um, that's it. There's no um, there's no trivia really, other than the Devo hats. Uh, we have the Mister Willoughby comment. I was really hoping the Jameson thing would have, like paid off. It didn't really do anything. Um, yeah, it's just it. It wasn't so much about like because you you give up the ghost of like hey these wishes, the first one's going to work. And then the other aren't like that. That is almost like, like winking at the camera of like how the twilight zone works. And that's okay. But like, you didn't pay it off. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like it didn't, you didn't see any of the, the fallout from her wishes, but I understand that's not where they're going to go. They're more like, Oh, be careful what you wish for. You're going to end up with the DMV. Like, Oh yeah, no, which, you know, whatever. Like no one wants to go there. Like, you know, everybody, everybody has to renew their tags and license. Right. I get it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, it wasn't offensive. It just, it, it almost commits the sin of being like one of those things that like, because it does nothing, right? It's like, it's very forgettable, which is almost worse than being bad. You know, like I just, 
whatever. It is what it is. Eight minutes. I guess, I guess you could do worse. Uh, hopefully we don't find out, <laughs> you know, like hopefully, hopefully we don't find any other, either eight, 10 minute segment uh, that is uh, worse than this. So we'll yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, and honestly at this point now, this isn't even the worst for me as far as like the oh, 80s. No, rendition. so far. No, I'm talking, but I'm just saying like in terms of like this being this like a little bloop, you know, whatever. Right. Like, I mean, children's zoo is just is garbage. Right. But like this, <laughs> Like, at least this was like, you know, it wasn't unwatchable. It's just that I was hoping for a little bit more to chew on after Little Boy Lost, and I didn't get much more here, you know, so. And that's fair. All right. So, uh, any other notes that you got here before we get to that twist? Nah, dude, I'm good. Let's get that twist. As always, the twist rating is one through five, meaning one, meaning we saw from a mile away, and five being mind-blowing. Um, I, that doesn't affect the twist. Uh, the twist ring does not affect how I feel about the episode. I'm going to give it a three in the sense. I didn't see it being bureaucratic and that being the red tape portion of this, uh, just the moment there's a lamp involved. You're expecting like, you know, you're, you're expecting, you know, a monkey's paw type tale, right? Uh, we don't really get that. We get her being frustrated, but we don't get consequence of the wishes. We get her being pissed at the stru- the, the, um, the framework of how this is supposed to work. So I did not see that coming. So I'll give that a three. And uh, we don't talk about these things uh, at all. Uh, I went with a three as well. Like I was very confused by the title. Uh, It didn't give me anything to really like base what the story could be about. And by the time it was all said and done, I was like, well, that was interesting and didn't expect it. So, but it wasn't like mind blowing. Yeah, not not a great segment, but I didn't I didn't see the story going that direction. So, fair enough, fair play, right? Yeah. So, all right, that's going to do it for our discussion about uh, season one, episode four, segment B, Wish Bank. Uh, you guys can find us on social media at Strange Highways. Um, we're always posting weird photos. Um, I'm like I'm currently posting uh, images from. Um, uh, little boy lost there's going to be some weird scott grimes images because of the freeze frames because i'm a, a bastard and i he, <laughs> i just you know wanted to make him look like an idiot didn't take much there's also a really really enthusiastic walrus photo up there right now i was mm-hmm. excited about that or seal sea line yeah sea line walrus whatever he's happy to be photographed yeah he, he yeah, deserved <laughs> his time in the sun right yeah. so uh you guys can email us directly at uh, strange highways podcast gmail.com let us know your thoughts feelings wherever you find your podcast rate and review us that'd be greatly appreciated and uh terry how can people find us otherwise uh we are on instagram so you guys can go and check us out over there uh, give us some likes, give us some follows, uh, share the images because they're not ours anyway. So who cares? Yeah, it isn't like we're charging money for it, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're a whore for your love. So do what you got to do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you can please, like Paul says, go to those different locations that you enjoy your podcast and give us a like and a rating, all that stuff. But if you can go ahead and go over to, you know spotify right now because spotify is a huge it's it's massive right now and yeah the, the love that you can share on there for our podcast would be greatly appreciated because there are so many people on there right now that maybe want to listen to us but don't get enough exposure to us um our advertising is very minimum so i would well, appreciate I mean, it we're so we're we're very humble people and we don't do really really great self-promotion i'm not that you'd hear that on a podcast but if you like our conversation and you enjoy our conversation and because we believe that you're always the third chair 
You know, you're like, you're always involved. Uh, the more, the merrier, uh, just let people know, like if you enjoy us, uh, and you enjoy the journey, cause we've been having a great time with it and yeah, just let people know. I, I just, that's like, cause you, you can, we can pay for like boosting advertisements. We can try to like, it's just, I don't know how to crack the code. Right. And yeah. it's just all I can hope is for word of mouth. And if you enjoy the product and it speaks for itself, let other people know we greatly appreciate it. And, and if you are still here and you're been along for this ride for the longest time, thank you. Th- yeah, thank, I just want that one person to be like, you know, wish bank was my favorite segment of the twilight zone. I'm done with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, hey, and on that, honestly, if, if you, if you disagree with us on any point, let us know. Oh like, yeah, no, because we mean we're we not, can have we're, an open discussion. We're not right. We're just we're just here. We're just, yeah, we just have our opinions. Yeah. So all right, that, like so that'll do about discussion about Wishbank. Let's just see what we're talking about next. And now, Mister Serling. So next, we're getting into it is the the actual end of uh, uh, season one, episode four. It's the the third segment of episode four. It's called Nightcrawlers. Um, uh, I, I'm sure I've saw this as a kid. Uh, this is the one I think it's directed by, um, oh shit. William the, Freakin. William Freakin. Right. So it's going to get, it's going to get intense. Um, I'm pretty stoked to, when I saw William Freakin was, uh, the thumbnail art, it looks like Charlie day <laughs> from what's always sunny. And I'm like, I know it's not Charlie day, which but some people think I look like Charlie day. So. I, well, you don't, but, um, <laughs> you, you do like kitten mittens and milkshake. That's I'm, I don't know about that, but anyway, no. um, so, so yeah, we're going to get into some night crawlers, uh, which is actually also, it's always sunny reference to, which is funny, but that has nothing to do with the segment. I cannot wait to get into that. Getting some William Freakin. That's going to, like that would be good to get into. That that would be an interesting uh, director to talk about. Uh, so yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Everybody have a good week. Have a safe week. Enjoy spring. Where where this is the first episode in the spring of twenty twenty two. We're past the winter, right? So uh, it's going to get warmer and nicer out. And I don't know. Um, go go out and go yard selling, and then I guess inadvertently come to my house and buy stuff without me realizing it. So I'll take your money. I appreciate it. And be careful what you wish for. really seems so empty, so emotionally impoverished that I have to rub some silly secondhand just for kick.